when we were building this, what we were saying is how can everyone have that same opportunity, right? In that moment. And this is the closest we can get to it, right? And that's why we started building turn signal, whether, you know, we always say the three P's, whether you're a parent that wants to make sure that their child does get the insurance information from that other driver when they're in an accident. Uh, whether you have a, a partner who like, like my wife, who's from rural Minnesota that is, is stopped or has been in an accident without a person in sight for two miles, that's unsettling for her, right? Or whether you're a person of color, right? Uh, that knows that statistically your interactions are going to be different. Oh, it's, it's really a platform that, that was born out of George Floyd and Philando Castile and, and us here in the Twin Cities, but is, is reaching so many other use cases that we see every day, including all of the businesses that we work with. Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Kirsten Korosek, Transportation Editor at TechCrunch. And I'm Alex Roy, the founder of the Human Driving Association and the director of special operations at Argo AI, whom I do not represent on this show. And today we have, well, I think all our guests are awesome, but this guest is especially awesome because I just came back from Riley Brennan's super top secret conference, which has no name in Germany, held annually where no media are allowed. No offense, Kirsten, because you are the best of the best. Mm. But... Um, there are Chatham House rules, and the presenters come, and and the uh, and we're no no conversation is supposed to leave the room. However, there was a presenter who was so exceptionally fascinating as a human being, but uh, but also the startup that he co-founded. His name is Jazz Hampton. He's also the CEO, and he's here to join us today to talk about his company, Turn Signal. Welcome, Jazz. Well, I appreciate that really generous intro and uh, uh, honored to be here and, and to have a conversation about, you know, every, everything Turn Signal and beyond. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jazz, you should know that Alex um, has, not that it's not deserving, but he does have gratuitous intros. He's great. <laughs> <at like. laughs> not, that it's not, not that it's not deserving, but, but right, yes. right, right. every time he introduces me, it's very embarrassing for me. So. I've never introduced someone uh, generously who did not deserve it. But Jazz, it this time, I'm going to let Jazz explain himself. I'm not going to tell the story for him. Jazz, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what Turn Signal does. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with Turn Signal and then maybe I'll pivot to me. So Turn Signal is a platform. It's an app that you can download on your phone today. Uh, and when you're driving and you're pulled over, uh, you press one button and with your front-facing camera, it instantly starts recording the interaction, and then simultaneously it calls an attorney to be on camera with you, just like you were on a Zoom call, but it's all within the app. So uh, it's recording the interaction, and there's an attorney on the screen with you, 24-7, 365, available to be there with you, whether you're being pulled over or you're in an accident. Our mission is simple, and it's three-pronged. It's to protect driver's rights, to de-escalate these roadside interactions, and third, and most importantly, to ensure everyone, both the driver and law enforcement, return home safe at the end of the day. Um, Turn Signal and myself uh, are, you know, born and, and, and raised here in the city of Minneapolis. Uh, I am a, a black attorney uh, with a computer science undergrad degree. And so all of those backgrounds, including my, my later being a, a law professor, uh, my, my time in, in corporate litigation, uh, led me to say, you know, when Minnesota became the epicenter of a call for social change, uh, who better to start a company than myself and my, my two colleagues who are both really intelligent, really smart MBAs, one in marketing, one finance. And so we all left our corporate jobs two years ago, almost to date, uh, to start Turn Signal. 
So let's unpack that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's unpack that. Because when I first read the description of the company, I I thought I understood what you guys were really on to, but I'm in my car. The app is on my phone. Is the app running in the background all the time or do I have to open it and have it ready to go? You can open the app and then once you open it, it's just one press of a button. Uh, However, you can also set up voice commands. So you can say, uh, hey, device, whatever your device is, uh, I'm being pulled over, whatever actually cue that you want it to be. And it can automatically open then for you as well. All right. So you got this app. (laughs) I I tap it to activate it. Hey, Siri, I've been pulled over. (laughs) All right. So a call goes out. There's a pool of attorneys on call anytime? That's right. So uh, when we first started, what we did, it was just a pool of attorneys who were on call. Uh, and it rings it rings their phones when someone is pulled over and they answer. And then what we've grown to do is do what we call kind of like a paid backstop, right? Um, and that's what we started doing actually uh, a little earlier at the end of this summer. Uh, so it's supplemented both ways. It's kind of the way DoorDash started their company as well, right? That you go out, uh, you, you can't have all the drivers on DoorDash right when you open a new market. Uh, but we go out and find some folks to be that backstop. And then we add more and more attorneys to be on the call to answer. Uh, and they're there for three reasons, right? They're either uh, altruistic and really want to be there in the moment of need for folks. Uh, there are people who want to do it as a business development opportunity, right? Find clients who they otherwise wouldn't find. And the third is just brand building. It's really hard to build a brand as a, a personal injury or a criminal lawyer. So you can attach that brand to turn signal and, and the work we're doing to keep everyone safe out there. Right, let's, you, let's, go ahead. Kirsten. Yeah, now I have some questions. Um, I've got a lot of questions. But, well, I have questions on like how, what the origins of this were. You kind of gave a little bit brief background, but I, but you brought something up that I want to address first, which is just how payment works, because it's not just a classic gig worker situation because you are talking about attorneys. So is it, does each attorney, um, figure out a different fee like later on like how are they compensated for their work and is it on a sliding scale of some kind um is it based on time maybe you could explain the actual payment system and also how you generate revenue yeah so turn signal um is an app that for each individual consumer so if you were to download and have it on your phone today it costs 60 dollars a year to have on your phone However, if you make under $40,000, we never charge you for the service ever. Not a penny. We won't even take your credit card information, right? We allow you on for free because we don't want any barriers to you feeling safe when you're driving. But anyone who is on for free or pays $60 a year, that is it. When you press the button, there's no additional fee. It's not a per hour running meter. It's just like Netflix. You pay for it once and you use it as many times as you want. Uh, For the attorneys, um, of the 100 plus attorneys on the platform, uh, those attorneys are actually paying turn signal to be on the platform. We're not paying them, right? They're paying an annual nominal fee to be there because we say, hey, let's say it is a client that you connect with and they say, this is great. Not only do I need a lawyer later for this case, but I have a cousin who has a, a issue. Now you paid for your turn signal fees for three years with one client, right? So this is uh, a nominal fee that they pay. So that always helps people understand. They're always like, how do you get, how do you get attorneys? How are you paying enough? to get them, we have over hundred attorneys that pay us to be on our platform. Uh, so it. it speaks to kind of the, the, their excitement to be there for folks. And then as far as lead generation for potential clients, the call comes in, I, you know, I'm getting pulled over, you know, it's 10 PM. I either voice command or hit my phone, that interaction I'm being walked through with an attorney, but let's say 
it's, you know, a traffic infraction or something in which an arrest is made or something does escalate to a, a arrest or ticket. If I want to, then I could continue that, um, uh, not just conversation, but actually a relationship with that attorney. And then that would be a separate fee that the attorney and that person would figure out on their own. Is that how you, you're thinking through it? It's exactly correct. So when you hang up the call, it turns to me, yes, you three calls. The first is, are you sure you want to hang up, right? We don't want to hang up too soon. Uh, the second is, would you like to talk to an attorney further about this incident? If you say yes to that, the third and final question is, would you like to talk to this attorney about the incident? The rules of professional responsibility say that an attorney can't call you once they find out you've been pulled over in an accident or anything like that, unless you give them affirmative consent, right? And so that last question gives them affirmative consent if you want that attorney to work with you. And then yes, that is outside of turn signal. That is a uh, retainer agreement. Maybe you pay for them or, or ongoing legal services. That's outside of turn signal. Uh, but this first interaction and whether it's five minutes or five hours, you aren't paying for that. Uh, and so that's how, and, but I always say it's kind of like, um, emergency medicine, right? You go to the ER because you need a doctor. Now you don't care if it's your primary care physician, you need help in this moment. And then subsequently you can go to your own lawyer if you're in by analogy, your own primary care physician, or you can continue working with this one. So, uh, it's totally up to you. We give you that autonomy and speaking of autonomy, only the driver has access to that recorded video of turn signal. That the would be my next question. Mine yeah, too. The, the attorney does not have access to the video. We at turn signal do not have access to that video. The only person that does is the driver. Of course, uh, here on our dashboard, I know when you're pulled over and how long it was. I know if you asked for follow up with the attorney, we know that information, uh, but we do not have access to that video. Only the driver does. And it's streamed simultaneously to the cloud. So if in the middle of the interaction, your phone is lost, damaged, stolen, stolen, broken, dies, any of that, that video is saved to the cloud and you can log in from any device to pull that down. And is the attorney's face like visible on the screen during the call? It sure is. Yeah. You know, I, the analogy I use a lot is, um, during, during COVID, a lot of things changed and, oh, we asked about the origin story and I'll, maybe I'll get to that next, but a lot of things changed during COVID. And one of them is you cannot have a conference call anymore. It's like not a thing. You can't press the button in the middle of the desk and, and just have a phone call. You have to see each other's faces. Um, it's a, it's a level of connection that really changes the whole interaction. Uh, and so we think that's really important for turn signal. All of these attorneys are trained in de-escalation uh, by a third-party organization before they're an- allowed to answer a single call. And part of that is looking the person in the eyes and understanding how they're feeling and, and them seeing you as well. It's really important. So is a um, is the presence of an attorney on a camera screen in car when an officer approaches the vehicle, does that is that of equivalent like legal weight and standing as if the attorney was standing right there with their client. Yeah. Is you this, know what I, I, how do Miranda rights, I could play into this. I mean, like, yeah, you know, the way I always talk about it is it's just like you, you were pulled over Alex and I was in your passenger seat. Uh, mm-hmm. you might turn to me if the officer comes up and says license and, and insurance and, and I, I pulled you over speeding, you wouldn't turn to me and ask me any questions. That's pretty natural. If they said, can we open your car or search your trunk? Maybe you'd turn to me in the passion scene and say, is this normal or what should I be doing in this situation? And I maybe would be able to, to help you through that. Um, it's the same level with the attorney on the phone. Uh, 90% of the conversations on turn signal happen with just the driver and the attorney on the phone present. It's when the officer doesn't come up to the window for two minutes and 30 seconds before when they first pull you over, when they take the ID and go back. Because uh, that's when the person feels most comfortable to talk. And uh, I think what you were alluding to in that, that's also when, you know, from turn signals perspective and, and viewpoint, 
and my, you know, law professor viewpoint when attorney client privilege is available as well. Right. Uh, even if it's prospective client privilege exists, uh, and, and during that conversation, you can share things that maybe it can help you through that situation with that attorney when it's just you two present. So go ahead, Kirsten. I know you have a lot of questions. Um, is this, where is this, um, where is this live right now? Is it just in the Minneapolis area and then you're scaling from there or where, uh, where, sig- where can people access it? Let's see if I can do this well. Turn signal is available in 10 States today, Minnesota, California, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, uh, Arizona, Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, um, and maybe I missed nine states actually. So nine states in Washington state is up next. And then the DMV uh, will be in all 50 states in early 2023. Got it. When you're hold on, Alex, that was just, I was just getting started. I just <laughs> started. So um, in these states where it's live, and I'm sure that there's somewhere you've been um, active longer, like Minnesota, what has been the reception from law enforcement, not just organizationally, but like a singular, I know Alex is throwing up his hands. I'm sorry to take your question, Alex, but, but not just organizationally, yeah, not just organizationally, but just even, you know, anecdotally the, the one-offs, um, is it surprising initially? Like how do, do, um, does a police officer feel, um, it protected or the opposite? Like, does it, how how is that reception been? Yeah, you know, turn signal. Um, our goal, like I said, our mission statement is to get everyone home safe, including that officer. And what we always say is, uh, when a police officer sees a turn signal bumper sticker on the back of a vehicle, in their mind, we want them to think, "Oh, this is actually going to be the safest interaction I have today," because there's going to be a lawyer present, uh, and it's being recorded, and that lawyer is helping de-escalate the interaction, including, frankly, and maybe more so the driver in and of themselves, right? Uh, and so we want them to approach the vehicle knowing it's going to be the safest interaction for, for them as well. And we go out and try to tell that to all of the, the police departments. Uh, when we went to Tennessee, uh, I, I personally emailed the Memphis and, and the Nashville chief of police. I, I reached out to them and called their offices. We do this legwork to let officers know who we are. We try to do a one-to-many where we try to get the top folks to disperse it to the, to the uh, officers because we want them all to know that this is going to be a safe interaction exactly what that means. Um, we are yet to have an escalated interaction where someone is, is forced off of a phone or where someone is forced to, to hang up the call. Um, of course, the, the de-escalation training is there to ensure that that goes as smoothly as possible. Um, but we do, the other thing we tell officers is we follow orders, even if they are unconstitutional or unlawful. So if the officer says, I need you to turn off the phone, and the attorney says, you know, I, and says to the driver, let them know that you have a right to record this interaction, you're not impeding with their investigation, and you'd like to continue recording. But if they say no, we're going to hang up the phone. But guess what? Now you have a recording of your rights being violated with an attorney present who will help follow up with that. Or you can just go directly to that chief of police and say, hey, this is what your officers are doing. Maybe we have an opportunity to retrain them in this moment, right? Um, back back to the Genesis story, my my two co-founders, Dre and Mike, two, also two black men, they grew up with Philando Castile's family. They grew up playing sports with them. In fact, Andre went to the school that Philando worked at at the time of his death, right? Um, this is our community, and it started that way. Uh, we were early in our careers at the time and didn't know what to do. Fast forward you know, four years later, George Floyd happens. And I'm, I'm a law professor. I'm a, a corporate lawyer. I'm the, the director of diversity and inclusion over 300 employees in, in, in 15 states. And I'm on every panel and they're asking me, what can we do? What can we do? 
And I said, I don't know, because I'm not doing enough, right? I'd gone to every visual. I'd gone to every peaceful protest. I've gone to the marches. And that's when Dre, Mike, and I said, we have to leave our jobs to actually build a solution. Because if we don't, who else is going to? And, and so that's what we did. But in the background of that, I think of my brother who graduated from Alexandria Tech. That's a school in Minnesota. Their law enforcement program, right? And we're thinking of a solution that can be robust and ensure that everyone is, is happy to have it within their car. Uh, even, you know, officers or, or family members of officers. You, um, it, it sounds like, so when you, your brother um, is in law enforcement now, did you say? No, no, he, he, oh. he graduated from Alexandria Tech's program, him and his best friend from high school, uh, his best friends in St. Paul here as a police officer. I talked to him weekly uh, and my brother moved down to Arizona and, and, and uh, uh, chose a different career after Got it. But when you were building it, I mean, were you talking to not just, I mean, I imagine you're talking to your family about it, but as you were building it, were you engaging like all different levels of law enforcement um, and having that shape it? Or was it uh, more from the advocacy, social justice viewpoint in terms of who you were talking to as you built this out? Like, I guess I want to get a sense of what helped you shape it? Because, you know, as you know, like there's some great ideas out there, but once they go onto an app, sometimes there's really big issues that pop up, you know, that you might not have even thought of until it's live. So what did you do to kind of prevent that from happening? Um, all of the above. And this question is asked a lot. And I think your, your question almost was up my, my entire answer. It's exactly right. We met with over 20 law enforcement officers before we even built the product, from chiefs of police all the way down to boots on the ground officers like Nate and St. Paul. And what we were saying in those conversations is, hey, we're going to do this. We think it's really important to protect these drivers' rights and to ensure that people are feeling safe from when they're driving. It's going to happen. But what, as we build this, what can we do to make you feel comfortable as well? Because if you're more comfortable approaching the vehicle, we know the whole interaction is going to be safer, right? And so we got that input. And I'm telling you, there are real changes to the build of this platform that came from those conversations with law enforcement uh, on honest frank interact or conversations where they're saying things like yeah jazz well like this stop could be 30 seconds and if i'm knocking on the window and they're saying one second i'm waiting for somebody and it's going to delay my stop like i'll get frustrated right and so taking into account all of those pieces of feedback and changing how we were building it was really important and so that's what we did in in the process at the same time talking to civil rights activists and, and, and social justice activists to learn about what's really important. Talking to immigration lawyers to learn, should we be asking immigration status of our drivers so we can better help them? Or will that prevent them from even wanting to be on the platform? A really incredible, robust, long uh, building process, but it, it was right to, to, to get the, the job right right away. Is there, is there a culture or pattern of behavior between law enforcement and, and drivers in other countries that parallels that in the United States? Like, what does this look like in other countries? Um, you, you, of course, there's varying levels of severity, intensity, whatever adjective you want to attach to that. Uh, but yes, right? In fact, when we we were on uh, national TV, we were on MSNBC, and I was talking about turn signal. And one of the first people to reach out to me on LinkedIn after that was the legal counsel for the FBI equivalent in Canada. And, and she said, hey, I work here, and we don't even really have cameras at all. It's not prevalent like it is in other countries. And so not only 
Uh, is there not a lawyer in these interactions? There's typically not a camera. And so how can we even, from a law enforcement perspective, get something like this implemented, right? Uh, and so Canada has a strong interest, and we're actually in a program right now uh, with the Edmonton police to see if there's a way that we can roll it to those seven jurisdictions. Got to be honest with you, Canada has less human beings in it than all of California. Uh, so we have to get our order of operations right. Um, but yeah, and then of course in Europe, uh, there, there's conversations, especially emanating from larger cities. Uh, of course, the level of severity of what happens at the interactions is different in the United States, uh, but the dis- disparities in who's being stopped and in interactions is still prevalent uh, in other countries as well. Alex, I have a question for you. I'm going to turn the trick because I just can't help myself. But when you came to me, I mean, this is a really interesting startup, obviously. And like as a transportation editor over at TechCrunch, it's like, whoa, that is really cool and interesting. And I could see certainly, especially in the United States, although even some other countries, it being like particularly important. But when you called me, you're like, we have to have, you know, jazz on is great. What... Was it from your perspective? Because you have an interesting background. Like, <laughs> would you have? I mean, you have an interesting background in the the uh, racing side of you things. You mean in the, in the dress up as a cop? Uh, yes. Career? <laughs> yes. Yes. But also, so I kind of understand, like maybe your interest because of your background, like your history. But also, I was wondering if you were kind of interested because of your current you know, day job over like at Argo, like if there was something, do you, was there some other reason that like, well, wasn't just about you, you know, driving across the country as fast as you can that compelled you to, you know, I really, this is one of those things I wrote conversation where I really don't want to inject myself into it, (laughs) but, uh, one of the most common question, you're not, you know, you're not, Chaz, you know, I think you you know that you've seen this. Kirsten, you've definitely seen this. But Silicon Valley is just the, the most common question. Even often after money is raised and you know people are hired, is why are we doing this? Like, what problem are we solving? And there are companies out there that have raised tens of millions, hundreds of millions, or even billions that get asked that question, and often they don't have a good answer. And here's a, and so here's a company that the in like the moment. Jazz, I met you and you told me what you did. I'm like, I could see more than one problem that is solved on day one, day mm-hmm. one of deployment. So obviously, um, it, it takes it takes a potentially high friction interaction between two people and diffuses it, potentially diffuses it. And people talk about how, how can technology like make society better or solve issues. But most of the time, that it's by inference or it's oblique. But this is very direct. It's literally water thrown on the fire before it breaks. It's like right there, right there. So that instantly moved me because it's it also depoliticizes situations and, and, and it can increase empathy right out of the gate. So I was like, oh my God, we have to get Chaz, we have to get you on a Tonicast. Um, and uh, the second one is, you know, it seems, I mean, Chaz, you tell me, I mean, it seems like a lot of people just aren't familiar, they're not familiar with their own rights. And so set aside the issues of race that often come into interactions during during traffic stops. Just set aside and get into legal literacy. Hmm. And yeah, so, no, and, it, yeah, tell us about that. It's, 
you know, other, you know, every startup has a, a kitschy name or, or some little cute name that is doing something different. Ours is turn signal without the A, right? But I say that because there's a lack of access to justice and understanding about law, right? That is why my, my work as a, a professor here in the Twin Cities kind of pushed me to do this as well. Um, people don't know what you can and cannot do in those situations. And because of that, uh, a lot of things happen that don't legally have to happen, right? I always say, you know, I've been pulled over 12 times in my life. I've never received a ticket. Uh, and my more recent uh, six times or five times since I've been a lawyer have been dramatically different. Uh, I've been pulled out of the car. My most recent pullover, I was pulled out of the car. They asked me to do a field sobriety test. I walked the line. I followed the pen. I did the nine-point pivot turn. I did all the things. And the culmination, the officer said, uh, you, you seem to, you seem to be inebriated. We're going to, you, you now have to give a breathalyzer. And I said, you know, I know I'm not obligated to give that test, but I'm more than happy to submit to it because I have nothing to worry about. Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. And I, I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. He's like, oh, you're a lawyer. So you've been, you were in college. You've been to parties. Are you feeling buzz right now? And it was those kind of questions, right? Cause in that moment, my re response was, I wouldn't be able to answer that because I wouldn't be able to find the word buzz and I wouldn't want to give additional reasonable articulate suspicion to lead to the probable cause search of a vehicle or anything else, right? And he was like, okay. And I said, but as I said earlier, I'd be more than happy to submit to the test because I have nothing to worry about. I did. Uh, and the only thing that came of it that was that my wife and I were 15 minutes late to the movie that we were going to see, right? But that moment of the understanding of my rights and, and being able to articulate them in a calm, non-confrontational way, honestly, which I think is almost as important as knowing them in the first place, um, is something that I have a privilege of. That is something that I get to walk around with in my head every day. That when we were building this, what we were saying is how can everyone have that same opportunity, right? in that moment and this is the closest we can get to it right and that's why we started building turn signal whether you know we always say the three p's whether you're a parent that wants to make sure that their child does get the insurance information from that other driver when they're in an accident uh whether you have a, a partner who like like my wife who's from rural minnesota that is is stopped or has been in an accident without a person in sight for two miles that's unsettling for her right or whether you're a person of color, right? Uh, that knows that statistically your interactions are gonna be different. Oh, it's it's really a platform that that was born out of George Floyd and Philando Castile and, and us here in the Twin Cities, but is is reaching so many other use cases that we see every day, including all of the businesses that we work with. Uh, you know, Kirsten, the other thing, which is the context of my interest in, in jazz and turn signal, is that years ago, um, we did an episode um, uh, Oh my God, I think it was one of the early, one of the earliest Atonicast episodes, and we had a guest. Oh my God, I'm spacing on her name. She was the uh, Maya Rocky Moore. She came in and talked about uh, race and the the I guess what was it the uh, the number of single minority parents who are drivers of transit vehicles in the United States and how high how disproportionately high it was, and the topic, if I remember correctly. Uh, started out with what happens if autonomous vehicles scale to ubiquity and then the revenues generated by many small towns, which are derived from traffic stops and court fees, which often fall upon minorities and working class people, those revenues start to fall because of the theoretical future in which autonomous vehicles have scaled. What happens to um, the, uh, you know, the finances of the, these municipalities that, that that derive these revenues from traffic stops that fall disproportionately on minorities and working class people. And it was a fascinating episode. And ever since then, um, I was like, well, what is the, what is the, 
who's going to be the first startup to come out with an idea that might address um, racism and class issues and traffic stops? And this is it. And that's why I think Turnsicle is so important. Appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I thought, Alex, maybe that you were thinking this could have come in handy for me while I was, you know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny to say, yeah, it might have been handy for me when I was doing my cannibal stuff. <laughs> it's 15 years ago. But when people talk about the concept of privilege and race, uh, that it just doesn't, some people say it doesn't exist. And, and, and my answer to that on the rare occasion when I try to take a fun topic and, and make it serious, the cannibal stuff is generally fun. I, I say this, you know, in what universe can someone like me, <laughs> who looks like me, put on a German police uniform and drive across the United States at unbelievable, you know, 100, 150 miles an hour in a fake German police car and get pulled over and walk, get, and walk away without a warning? Without a, without a doc, without a cop, like, ah, it's okay. You just go. It's fine. Um, <laughs> something is happening. And it's, um, you, you may not want to call it privilege, but it's what it is. And that there's a reason that's possible. Um, and, and, you know, when you behave like that in other countries, it doesn't matter what you look like, you're going to lose your car. You're going you're gonna to go to jail. And I have almost lost my car, and I have gone to jail in other countries. But that was in my old life. And now <laughs> with perspective in time, you know, I can appreciate, um, I can appreciate, you know, how lucky I've been. And I don't mean lucky roll of the dice. I mean, like, systemically lucky. Mm -hmm. In that I, the, the things I was able to do for fun that I laughed about, wrote a book about, and made a movie about, actually were only possible um, because of a system which favored or made it possible for me to literally drive through like a gaping hole in it. That hole doesn't exist for a lot of people. And so, and that's why instant I heard of this, I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this could be good for everybody. And, uh, and of course the important thing about it is this could turn signal could be cast two different ways. It could be cast as something which is in opposition to law enforcement and, and that's why jazz, I really appreciate that you're engaging with law enforcement out of the gate because you're not making this, it's not a political app. It's like, an, it's really an empathy, an empathy app <laughs> with a weapon of legality behind it. Um, not even with the weapon, yeah. the, uh, the, the carrot. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, I, that, and that was important from the get go for a lot of reasons, including the ones kind of our own personal connection to law enforcement, understanding that that would make the interaction better, but also, you know, us working with businesses then makes that really important as well. Uh, you know, businesses are offer turn signal all their employees as a benefit. Uh, and a lot of those businesses wouldn't want to work with us if we were, you know, an anti-police, uh, you know, rhetoric driven platform. Uh, but that's not what we're doing. We're just trying to get people home safely. And so that's that's what leads to those businesses partnering with us as well. So that leads you mentioned business, the business component. Um, so is this just like actual fleets like delivery drivers, for example? Um you know, for a company like, you know, maybe an Amazon or maybe something much smaller than that. Is that an area where you are looking at, you know, potentially landing these like larger contracts? So that that is uh, on the on the roadmap. It's just, unfortunately, it's a different set of lawyers that anyone who represents those fleets is an insurance attorney or, or hired by the insurer of those companies. And so it's a totally different set of attorneys that then answer our calls. So what it is today is it's just like uh, if you work at um, target and you get health and dental benefits from them, or maybe a, a membership to the calm app, 
uh, you also get a membership to turn signal is, is what we're doing to, with businesses. So they provide it as a benefit to their employees to give it to both them and their family members. So right now our real clients are like United way, uh, uh, Catholic charities, um, a couple of accounting firms, um, uh, several different companies. And then, uh, here in Minnesota and beyond that are providing it to all of their employees as benefits of working there. Even a labor union gave it to all 10,000 of their members here in the state of Minnesota, right? So that's the kind of work that we're doing with those kind of employers or groups. Uh, we have apartment buildings that give it to all of the, the people who live in that apartment as another you know, benefit to, to living in that facility. Um, a lot of different organizations looking to, to you know, you know, be there for, for the people that are really important to them. Uh, and then that's also how we subsidize those free memberships. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield is our largest partner, and they've identified racism as a public health crisis. And so if you live in the city of Brooklyn Center, where Dante Wright tragically lost his life here in Minnesota, um, no matter who you are, it's free, and, and Blue Cross Blue Shield pays for it. And they're doing a lot of marketing with us in that respect as well. So that's what we're doing with businesses, either to the community or to their employees. It makes a lot of sense that you are, you know, targeting the vehicle, meaning the interaction within a vehicle, because that is that is a very likely um, situation, especially if you're a black individual living in the United States where things can escalate and, and get out of hand really, really quickly. And we've seen certainly lots of evidence of that. Have you thought about what interactions with law enforcement outside of the vehicle? Um, or do you, do you think that turn signal really like this is the sweet spot this is the most like likely you know escalating a, a potential for escalation um and and then you'll keep it more you know narrow to that yeah no it, this is definitely just version 1.0 uh in the vehicle we want to get it done really well right we want to be in all 50 states we want to integrate with other platforms and hardware we want to do all of that within the vehicle uh, and then from there move on to do things outside of the car so whether uh, a warrant is being served on your house or whether you're just looking to find an attorney for a property dispute, right? All of that is in the product roadmap of what we want to do in the future. Uh, but we move with intentionality and we don't want to move too quickly. We want to get uh, it done really well within the vehicle first. And so uh, it's just the the starting blocks for us here at TurnSignal. So if, um, if an autonomous vehicle developer, and I'm not <laughs> Naming a developer, the autonomous vehicle developer um, said, "Hey, um, we'd like to talk to you about integrating this into the vehicle because there's an op there's a possibility that the vehicle might be pulled over with a passenger inside. Um, how? I, mean, I guess you. <laughs> what would that look like? You would need a camera <laughs> in the vehicle that is." pointing out the left side or the one of both windows. And then you would have to have attorneys on call who are familiar with a different area of law. That's that's exactly correct. And I would tell those people to reach out to me because we're already speaking to many manufacturers about in-vehicle integrations, right? So uh, I do think in the same way that that is cutting edge of, of we don't know what the law is going to say and do in those moments, uh, there's no better way to figure it out than having the lawyers right there in the vehicle with the car, right? And uh, so we are all for doing that and, and working with those OEM manufacturers. Uh, because guess what? Having a camera in the vehicle or that, that hardware is already going to be there. There's going to be a plethora of cameras in these autonomous vehicles, uh, both inside and out. Um, and so that's actually not the, the difficult part. It's just ensuring that you know whoever is in the vehicle, if anyone is, um, is able to speak to that attorney as well. 
do you offer like an, an affiliate program for say an automotive influencer who wanted to mm, say tell his audience that all all of them should sign up for this we sure do <laughs> yep so if you know any of them tell them to reach out to me yeah tell them to reach out to me one or two. yeah and uh because i think this is where kirsten was trying to lead us earlier if someone reached out to turn signal and said that they were planning to drive cross country and they were going to be disguised as storm chasers or as foreign yep. law enforcement on vacation in a fake police car <laughs> could you pre-set up one or more attorneys who'd be available on call familiar with laws around you know say police impersonation and, and felony speeding such that the expert would be available in the event of a pullover, like a not VIP only, yeah. subscription. Not not only, um, and and I don't think I mentioned this before. When you press the button, an attorney that answers, uh, we pull your geolocation, and the attorney that answers practices law in that state. Mm -hmm. So if you are pulled over in California, a California attorney is answering that call. Mm -hmm. um, and to that point, we can actually attribute any. Uh, any set of specific attorneys to a specific account. So yes, if there's one individual that is driving across the country, we can attribute specific lawyers to them to do just that. So yeah, and, absolutely and an opportunity. Does, does the app provide the attorneys who answer with data of say the prior five minutes of speed and other contacts? <laughs> um, that is a, a future roadmap opportunity as well. Right now it just says the individual's name and the, the geolocation of where they're driving. Um, but there's a lot of uh, opportunity to pull that information as well. Of course, the driver has to be okay with that. Um, and that's that's kind of one of those fringe cases where uh, sometimes people get nervous about sharing their data, kind of what they're doing driving. Uh, but as we always say, you know, if this is a, a potential client, uh, you have the, the, the luxury of privilege there. Does that include, uh, say, can, uh, can a, a a client account can a user account include car type, car color, and pr and driving record. It it doesn't include driving record, but as of today, you can already put in uh, as much information as you want beyond your your first last name uh, and your email address. So you can put in your car color, uh, what type of car, the year of the car. I mean, we added all of that because I would love to know the data around that from a kind of social standpoint of is it is it cars pre two thousand. Uh, that are being pulled over the most? Is it cars that are red? Is it cars all of that, right? And so we do collect that information today. Um, you mentioned before we wrap up here, um, kind of, you seem to be signaling, <laughs> sorry for the pun, to, that there might be maybe a future partnership, or at least you're talking to OEMs. And when companies start talking to OEMs, oftentimes it's to be integrated within or embedded, you know, third-party app within the infotainment system. Um, and if that were to happen, then the data question becomes kind of interesting as to who owns that data because OEMs really love owning that data. And also, um, they in most modern vehicles, there is an ability to get a lot more driving data um, just because simply the number of computers and other mm. um, like within the actual vehicle itself. So what are those conversations like? I mean, how has that come up? Like, who owns the data? If we're integrated here, is it um, still remain with just the the user, or is this something that an the OEM could also have? Yeah, it, it kind of flows to it. Kind of all goes to uh, where the connection point is between Turn Signal 
and the the OEM, right? So if they have a video that's it coming from their cameras and it's streaming to our system to show our attorney, uh, then it's already given, right? Uh, but what doesn't flow already is kind of what you're saying, how fast they were going, all of the, the stuff that is dr driven from the car. Um, in all of those conversations, I'm always going to push to have as much data that could help the attorney as possible, right? Uh, so if that is the speed, if that is uh, kind of where they're coming from or going to, towards, um, all of that information we are going to fight to to have them pass along to us because why have a service in your vehicle that isn't running its full capability, right? And we aren't fully capable unless we're collecting that data. Uh, whether we get to keep it and all that stuff might be another question, but that that's our stance. Um, if you want the product to be good, let's give it all that we can. Jazz, can you, uh, for people who aren't looking at the website, spell out the the name of the app so people yeah. can have the website? Yes. So it's turn signal. Uh, so in our website is turnsignal.com and turn signal uh, is spelled T U R N S I G N L.com. So it's turn signal without the A. Um, and our email, if you want to, you know, reach out to us via email, whether you're uh, influencer in the car space or whether you plan on driving a good distance at a good speed, uh, you can reach out to us uh, at info at turnsignal.com spelled the same way. So INFO and turnsignal.com. Thanks so much for coming on, Jazz. No, I appreciate you both. Thank you for what you do. I love learning about everything from you all in the space. So I appreciate your time. Yeah. And we should also thank our audience for listening to another episode of the Atomicast. Awesome. <laughs>